Welcome to the Brothers in Faith podcast on St. Joseph Radio. Join Father Vincent Churicella and Deacon Michael Churicella as they talk about faith, family, and sometimes food. Welcome, everybody, to our Brothers in Faith podcast, the Brothers in Faith. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts. I am Father Vincent Ciricella, and this is... Deacon Michael Ciricella. And we are the Brothers in Faith. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of the heavenly court, especially of our saints, whom we love as family members. Let us pray to our Lord in God that the saints may always intercede for us as we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. Name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, it's been, believe it or not, it's been a long time because we've been busy with Easter and vacations and and uh, all the parish uh, stuff going on. The last podcast was on April 1st, believe it or not. So now we are uh, almost at the end of April. Tomorrow is May 1st, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. We're very excited about that here at St. Joseph's. And uh, today we wanna, we're going to talk about um, the saints and the roles that the saints play in our lives and uh, the importance of the saints in our lives. And, you know, a lot of our uh, Protestant brothers and sisters, they don't really get it. And not only don't, don't they get it, but they're actually very opposed to us uh, having a relationship with the saints. In our own church here at St. Joseph's, we have at least, I would say, about, uh, I would say, close to 20 statues of saints here at St. Joseph's. And we... Uh, we um, people come and they um, talk to the saints and pray to the saints, and um, they ask the saints to intercede for them. And so, one of the confusions about the saints is that uh, some of our Protestant brothers and sisters would say that um, we bypass Jesus and we pray to the saints, right? But that's not really Catholic uh, teaching. It's not really what's in the catechism of the Catholic Church. Jesus always takes the first place in our faith. So Jesus is our Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of the living God, the second person of the Trinity. So we must never be confused about that, that Christ always comes first. When we pray and talk to the saints, we are not replacing Jesus's role. But what we are doing is we are asking them to pray for us. Just in a very real way when I, I could say as a priest and you as a deacon, that people come up to us and they know that uh, we, you know, have a deep relationship with Christ. 
So they ask us to pray for them. I'm sure you had that in your life, right? People uh, have come to you and asked you for your prayers. Many, many times. You know, people say, pray for my sister. Can you pray for my aunt? Can you pray for my uncle? Uh, and I always, uh, it's also a privilege. It's always a privilege to to ask them to, to, to when they request them that I pray for them like that. And um, there's nothing wrong with it, really. I mean, how many times people called me up and said, uh, can you pray for my, my cousin who just got diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer? And I said to them, sure, well, I'll be praying and I'm going to request prayers from hundreds of people that I know. And I send out a group of texts and I send out an email and they have all these people praying for them. They feel so much, so much peace when they know all these people are praying for them. And, and, you know, that's what happens with the saints. I mean, we're not praying to them. You know, we're asking them to, to, to assist us in prayer and to pray for us. And it's very, very powerful. I mean, we come together at Mass as a community to pray together. So what's wrong with praying, uh, having prayers uh, requested and having the saints pray for us. And the, our Protestants, brothers and sisters, so I would say, you know, I pray directly to Jesus. I don't have to pray to anybody else to ask Jesus. I go directly to, to, to Jesus. And we're not saying that we're bypassing uh, Jesus and we're going to the saints. We're asking them to join us. We're asking the saints to join us and intercede for us and pray for us and pray for us. That's that's what's really going on. There's so many, so many saints that come in our lives and have been with us our whole lives. And uh, just from the, the our little town in Italy, in Tijano, the patron saint of our town is Saint Kono, who you probably never heard of, who's an obscure saint, I'm sure. But in that region of southern Italy, and our little town in Italy, in Tijano and San Marco, he's a superstar, a rock star. Uh, uh, that, that died at a young age, at uh, 18, and uh, he's venerated, and we love him so much. And Father and Vinny and I were brought up learning about St. Kono from our mother, uh, Michaela, and all our family. Uh, so we, it was very natural for us to, to ask St. Kono to intercede for us. And uh, we had our cousin uh, Agnes that had a healing uh, recently, about five or six years ago, through the intercession of St. Kono, so many people were praying to St. Kono. Agnes was uh, unconscious in, in a semi-coma, and she had severe breathing problems. She was in the hospital, and she kept on seeing, in her dreams, a young monk circling her bed over and over and over again. And she couldn't really speak, not even in her dream, but she finally said to him, what are you doing? And he said, so many people are praying for you that I can't take it anymore. That's how many people are praying for you and asking me to pray for you. So, and she was healed. Agnes was healed. Now, through, through Jesus Christ, of course, our Lord and Savior, but St. Kono was there also praying for her and interceding for her. And she had a miracle that uh, was very real. It was very real, brother.
Yeah, I mean, yeah, so the saints are really a, a part of the fabric of our lives as Catholics. And so um, to be part of that great communion, to be part of that fellowship, as you mentioned, that mass, we pray together. As family, we pray together. Uh, people ask us to pray for them. So it's very natural for us. And uh, I'm not defending it because I'm, I think it's just a wonderful thing that uh, we do is talking to the saints, asking them to pray for us. And one of the saints that has greatly influenced your life is uh, Saint Charbel. Saint Charbel um, was from Lebanon, a Lebanese priest and uh, hermit and monk. And uh, he manifested himself to you at a very um, specific time in your life when you were going through something very difficult, a diagnosis of bladder cancer. And uh, St. Charbel, uh, we began a healing ministry here at uh, St. Joseph Church. It's usually on a Monday evening uh, at the end of the month. And... Um, that healing ministry we could talk a little bit about later. But why don't you talk a little bit about St. Charbel? Charbel is S-H-A-R-B-E-L, or some people spell it C-H-A-R-B-E-L. They're both uh, correct because there's two different spellings of the name. And why don't you talk a little bit about St. Charbel? Charbel uh, manifested himself in my life. And St. Charbel was born in 1828 in Lebanon. And um, he passed away in 1898. He lived to 70 years old. At a young age, his father was called off to fight in, uh, in war. And his country was torn in war. And his dad passed away. He was killed at three years old. So St. Charbel had to be raised from his mom and a lot of times he went to go stay with uh, his aunts and uncles or, uh, you know, whoever could look after him and his family. He came from a very large family. And uh, he had a calling to the priesthood at an early age. And he entered into the seminary in Lebanon at uh, the age of 17. And at the first uh, 20 to 25 years of his priesthood was really consisted of him... Uh, you know, as a as a as a as a monk in the, the order that he belonged to, the, is, he's from the Maronite Church with the Eastern Rite, that is Roman Catholic also. And uh, the last twenty years of his life, he lived as a hermit. He wanted to be a hermit, uh, so he lived his life in a hermitage in uh, in Lebanon, in Anaya, Lebanon. And uh, you know, yet a lot of other monks that he lived with were, were jealous of Saint Charbel because he was so prayerful and so humble, and he always wanted to work. They they worked these huge fields, and he would work and only sleep maybe two or three hours in a night, and he'd actually get up in the middle of the night to pray. And uh, and he would fast and really just uh, make so many sacrifices. And they wanted to play a joke on him. So they would go out in the middle of the night to, to do work when it was still dark, and at that time, they needed to put uh, uh, oil in their lamps to see at night. And they filled his lamp up instead of with oil, with water. So 
they were when, when he went to go light it, they would figure it wouldn't light. But guess what? His lamp lit up with the water. And from that, from that point on, they used to, you know, call him saint. Uh, he was so saintly. And he would get requested to go. And like we said, the, if people were very sick, uh, he, even though he lived as a hermit, they would request for him to come and lay hands on, uh, for him to lay hands on them, pray over them. So even when he was alive, uh, he was laying hands on people and uh, healing people. Uh, he died on Christmas Eve, 1898, in a terrible, terrible blizzard on Christmas Eve. And the the monks buried him uh, uh, through the snow in this blizzard uh, on the side of a mountain that was uh, not a good place to put him, but that's the only place they had. And after about three, uh, about three to six months, they noticed that there was light emanating from where he was buried, a bright, bright light. And uh, they were very curious. So they had a healing. Uh, uh, there was a healing uh, within a few months after he was buried there. His body was incorrupted uh, for about 75 years. And when they would open up his tomb, they opened up his tomb after about three years because there was so much damage the way he was buried on the side of that mountain from rain and snow. Uh, they couldn't believe it. His body was incorrupted. It was not, it was like he was at, he was sleeping and it was warm to the touch. And not only that, the clerics that they buried him in, his, his clerics that he buried were soaked with a very light blood and oil that was uh, coming from his body. And from that, from that oil and that blood, they started to put, uh, put it in little, little tubes, little jars, and they started cutting pieces of his clerics. So what they did is they, they removed the body into another tomb, put it down in the ground and changed his clerics. And people would go to the tomb and pray and they would be healed. They would go to him and they would be healed at this tomb. It was unbelievable. This went on for many, many years. Uh, after he passed away in 1898, every time they opened up the, the tomb and opened up the coffin, the body would be drenched again in the oil and the light blood and warmed to the touch. And uh, he had many, many miracles. And, uh, you know, people would go to his tomb and pray. So there was a gentleman that was a, uh, an uh, iron smith, uh, used to, and he got a piece of iron cord in his eye and his right eye was blinded. And uh, he couldn't see for many, many years he went to St. Charbel's tomb, prayed there in an I-11 on it, and he was healed. That was one of, one, of the, one of the healings. And all these healings would go on through his life. There was another lady most more recently by the name of Daphne Gutierrez that was blind. She was totally blind, and she started to pray to St. Charbel. And in Phoenix, this was in 1995, and in Phoenix, Arizona, they had a first-class relic which is a part of his bone, from his body, or a piece of his hair. And she wanted to pray with that relic uh, when the, the relics were making their way through Arizona, and she was healed. She was completely healed, and her sight was given back to her. He's had over 30,000 miracles attributed to him. And the reason why we really don't hear about him at this, this part of the world is he's from the Eastern Rite of the Catholic Church, and he's from Lebanon. But we heard about him here 
uh, at St. Joseph because I had a healing through him. He manifested himself to, to myself and Father Vincent. Somebody delivered a statue here by mistake. But it turns out it was a mistake. It was sent here purposely. And we started to pray for his intercession to pray for us. Father Vinny and I, uh, we prayed novenas and we prayed numerous prayers. And I had a healing through St. Charbel myself. Uh, was healed of bladder cancer. Now, these healings are not speculative. When I was healed, I, I was requested to send my medical documents before my diagnosis, when I had my diagnosis, and after the healing through St. Charbel, and of course our Lord Jesus Christ, they wanted all the medical documents. So all the healings that he had throughout these many, many years have been documented. So, I mean, just a powerful, powerful saint in my life. And from that healing, uh, Father Vincent and I uh, decided that we would start a healing ministry and uh, have a healing mass here at St. Joseph in honor of uh, St. Charbel and our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, so that's it's a, just a powerful story about the presence of uh, the saints in our lives and how St. Charbel uh, is so loved in uh, throughout the world, especially in Lebanon, and how he made himself known to you and to me in a very real way and interceded for you, prayed for you while you weren't feeling well, while you were worried, you didn't know what doctor you were going to go to, you didn't know how they were going to treat the cancer, you didn't know what to do. And somehow God, he guided you along with St. Charbel at your side so that you made all the right decisions, went to the right doctors, got the right treatment, and uh, thank God you're cancer-free. And so God is so good. And so our healing ministry here, we invite everyone who is listening. You could go on our website, stjosephastoria, A-S-T-O-R-I-A dot O-R-G, stjosephastoria.org. And you will see the, the St. Charbel Healing Mass uh, being uh, the date and the time. It's usually always at 7.30 and always on a Monday. And then I believe the next one we're going to do on May 22nd. That's correct, yeah. Which is a Monday. So if you're in need of healing, if you know somebody's in need of healing, and so the format of it is it is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, which is the greatest gift that God has given us. And then after the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, there is Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. After Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, there's Benediction. After Benediction, we have um, the uh, Veneration of St. Charbel's Relic. I was given a relic of the blood of St. Charbel and a first-class relic of Char Charbel. And then there's the anointing or the blessing. It's not an anointing. It's a blessing with the holy oil of St. Charbel. The oil of St. Charbel, the bones of St. Charbel are soaked in the oil and the monks 
pray over the oil. So that oil is very blessed and very sacred. It will be considered a second-class relic because it has touched Absolutely. the bones of the saint. And so uh, we invite you to come to that, to that uh, healing mass once a month. If you don't know anything about St. Charbel, I know Deacon Michael uh, shared a lot about St. Charbel's life, which I learned today a lot about him. You can go to uh, Family of St. Charbel USA. Family of St. Charbel USA. And you could get more information about him through that uh, website. And so the saints, the saints are our friends. The saints are with us uh, constantly throughout our lives. You know, um, I have a big devotion to St. Teresa the Little Flower. So how could we get through this podcast without talking about her a little bit? St. Teresa of Lisieux was born on, um, on January 2nd, 1873. And she was born in a town of called Lisieux in France. And she died on, in 1897. And she died at the tender age of 24 years old. And she is known by many as the saint with the roses. Her name, the little flower, uh, reminds us of those roses. And the reason why is that when she was dying, she says, after my death, those who pray to me, I will send down a shower of roses upon them. And so sometimes, quite often, when you pray to her, she manifests herself by someone giving you a rose, you seeing a rose, some kind of rose coming to you uh, through her intercession. She was a Carmelite sister. She uh, lived a life that was dedicated to um, contemplative prayer, uh, fasting, and good works of charity. She lived in a cloistered convent. That means that she was not allowed to leave the cloister. So the convent was in Lisieux in France. Uh, I'm not sure of how many sisters were there. There were probably about 30, 30 sisters there in the convent. She was very devoted to her father. Her father's name is Louis Martin Louis, and her mother's name was Zelie Martin. The father was a watchmaker and the mother was a lace maker. They were, they were well-to-do. They were well-off. They had five daughters. All five of them became nuns, including Therese. There were four Carmelites and one visitation sister. Um, the, they had a total of nine children. Four of them died either right after childbirth, and even one of them died when they were five years old. Her mother died when she was four years old. So St. Therese knew a lot of heartache and pain in her life. So if you want to learn about St. Therese, you could go to www.littleflower.org. That's the Society of the Little Flower, where you could get more information about her. And so you see, uh, my brothers and sisters, 
in Christ who are listening, the saints are real. They're part of our lives. They're part of the fabric of our lives. Saint Charbel for my brother Michael, Saint Therese for me, maybe Saint Anthony for you that are listening, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, um, Saint Patrick for our Irish brothers and sisters, and all these wonderful great saints that really are with us, that are walking with us, that are praying with us, uh, and that are really part of our lives. And for me and Deacon Michael, I mean, when we were growing up, our parish of Mount Carmel, if you ever get a chance to visit the parish of Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Williamsburg, it has a very unique saint's chapel. Uh, and it makes an impression on you when you're a young kid, right? Yes. The what? Saint Chapel. The Saint Chapel of Our Lady Mount Carmel is, yeah. is absolutely beautiful and stunning. But there's some saints that are really obscure there that nobody really knows. And uh, we have a, a, a layout of what, who, who's who and what's what, like a map there. So you're at Our Lady Mount Carmel. We have a saint's chapel where you, as a young child, you know, you're looking up to these saints and these, these statues. But, you know, I, I look at the saints like uh, uh, like somebody who's a rock star or a movie star or, uh, uh, you know, an athlete. You know, these people that uh, we look up to. And the saints for us, the people that are Catholic, are our rock stars, right? They're our movie stars. They're our athletes that we want to emulate and want to be like. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, uh, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful piece of our, of our faith to have the saints really walking with us, brother. It really is. But the saints' chapel is really beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice there. Another one that's really nice, not that I'm saying I did a great job, but I think I did, at Our Lady of Grace in Brooklyn. I was the pastor. And I also... Um, made a beautiful saint's chapel there. It was there already, but I uh, renovated it. So if you're ever in Gravesend, Brooklyn, you want to stop into the Church of Our Lady of Grace and see their saint's chapel. And over here at uh, St. Joseph, you could also stop in. And we also, uh, Father Michelli, the former pastor of St. Joseph's, did a wonderful job in renovating the parish. And he added all these beautiful saints to the church. So the saints are our friends. Is that correct, Deacon? They're, they're, my, they're our friends, definitely a thousand percent. Yeah. And St. Charbel is my best friend yeah. that, I, that I love so much. And we've been promoting it. So they're our friends, Father. And you know what? Come to our healing ministry, right, Father Vincent? Come to our healing ministry, please. We had somebody come and visit uh, the last the last Monday from Florida. She came to Florida. She came from Florida with our family just to pray with the relic of Saint Charbel, and we had her pray with the relic of Saint Charbel privately. And I want to thank Father Justin Sinanti for gifting me or lending me a first class relic of Saint Charbel when I was first diagnosed with cancer, and I wear it till this day. So very very powerful. And they are our friends, Father. Wonderful. So we would just want to thank everybody for listening this week. Um, 
We're going to try to make two to three podcasts a month. So we want to keep this, uh, keep you uh, engaged and listening to our uh, Catholic content here on St. Joseph Radio and Astoria. Again, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. Just type in the, T-H-E, Brothers in Faith. You have to type in the, or else you won't find us. The Brothers in Faith. Close with the prayer, Deacon. Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to, to give us the power and the ability to see the saints among us, to see those people in our lives that are saints the way they conduct themselves and live their lives, and give us the ability always to love each other and forgive each other, and to always ask for intercession and for prayers for these saints that love us so much. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So we'll see you next time on the Brothers in Faith.